0: You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 67, Adaptable Ministry. Well, whenever we relocate to a different church or a whole new city or just a different ministry, it's important that we are aware of how our ministry will be perceived in the context of where we are now serving. Uh, if we move across the country, inevitably, uh, the students that we minister to uh, will have a different understanding of some things, uh, and that could very well affect how they receive what we present to them in programming and discipleship and things like that. My guest today will help me talk about that in detail. His name is Steve Cullum, and I'll let him introduce himself in a moment. Uh, But Steve and I have a great conversation about how to be aware of your ministry how to study where your ministry is at, and how that helps the context of how you present things so we can present things in a relevant way to present the ultimate truth of the gospel. Let's hear from Steve. Steve, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. I appreciate it. This has been a a long time coming. We've been talking about it for a while, so glad it can happen. Yeah, Uh, yeah. if you could tell us a little bit about who you are and your ministry and your podcast. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm Steve Cullen. I'm the the student pastor at LifeBridge Christian Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I've been here for just a little over four years uh, at this point. And I have a wife named Yvette. Uh, We've been married um, almost 13 years. And I'm also the the Colorado coordinator for the National Network of Youth Ministries, and I host uh, the Student Ministry Podcast.
1: Very cool. Very cool, man. So with this issue, we're talking about the importance of awareness when it comes to the context and structure of our ministry. Um, You know, I think being part of the National Network, you and I probably heard the same numbers about how the average tenure of youth pastor has gone up but it's not very high and so when we move around a lot especially people in our field um, it might kind of be turned upside down like uh, is everything the same here or we do things the same and doesn't work out and we're like why isn't this working Uh, so we need to make sure our ministry strategies content and even presentation lines up with the context of our students Uh, so Steve let's start from the beginning for you. Can you tell us about your youth ministry journey and the different roles that you've taken in different spots over the years?
0: yeah absolutely uh so i grew up in in the church um so pretty much um maybe a a year or two when i was like in elementary school I, i didn't go as much but for the most part i grew up in church um and mostly went with my grandparents and so i saw their example from a very young age of uh serving within the church and um And later on in my life, I realized that my one of my grandfathers, my dad's dad, um, was actually uh, the volunteer youth group leader in his church. And so it was kind of in my blood, but I really didn't know it at that point. Um, But uh, but yeah, everybody in my family volunteered in the church, but uh, no one actually um, was employed by the church. And so that's the kind of example that I saw. And so I knew that um, that's what I wanted to do. Um, but it wasn't until I got into high school and I started specifically volunteering within uh, kids ministry and student ministry, um, being invited my, by my own youth pastor and uh, and just really fell in love with what was possible, loved working with the younger kids, loved working with my peers as well, and um, just really God started speaking to me and realized that's that's something that i could be doing in in the future um not simply in a volunteer role but also to explore the idea of, of vocational ministry yeah. and so um so yeah that's what i, I went to uh, to college for um with the the idea of of going into vocational ministry um and so i got my my bachelor's degree in youth ministry uh, from Lincoln Christian University in Lincoln Illinois and um immediately started volunteering within youth groups there, um, not only in the, uh, local church, but also, uh, we had an outreach, uh, high school outreach ministry on campus that was run by, by, uh, the college students. And so started volunteering with that and eventually, um, stepped into leading that ministry, um, my junior and senior years and, um, also got involved in a part-time ministry that was like about a half an hour from campus and so I did the whole weekend warrior thing and drive over to uh, you know do youth group and church and everything and then we also had Wednesday night middle school ministry on at that church so I was also back and forth on a Wednesday night just driving forth back and forth to campus uh, every week and doing that for a while I was full-time uh, in the the summer that was an awesome thing and then there was, it was a very small church rural church but they they offered to bring me on full-time for the summer, so that was really cool, and uh, did some internships and residency ministry within um, Illinois, and that's where kind of where I got a lot of my feet wet, just diving into a bunch of different opportunities, so all the way from volunteer to full time and everything in between. And uh, went to seminary as well at Lincoln, and uh, that was that was a really great experience for me to just further that education. Um, my master's degree is focused in youth and family counseling. And so um, just really felt that was something that God was shaping me uh, to where we could be able to use that, those skills and everything within student ministry as well. And uh, throughout that time, I, I took three different mission trips uh, out to New England. And it was the first time that I'd ever been in that part of the country and uh, honestly fell in love with, with what the, the culture was out there and the the possible uh, ministry opportunities and and all those things and so lo and behold when I was finishing up my seminary classes um, there was a few churches that were looking for for youth pastors and so I applied at a few of them and uh, became the the student pastor at uh, Rockingham Christian Church in uh, Salem New Hampshire which is just across the border of of New Hampshire and Massachusetts so about a half an hour or so outside of Boston and so, kind of the Boston suburbs, and I was the first youth pastor there in um, a new church plant. It was like four years old or something when I came on board, and uh, yeah, I got to build that ministry up from from the ground up, uh, and and be able to go through all the uh, the hard times of, of starting a student ministry, but also um, I was there for ten years and got to see a lot of the the growth and some really cool stuff over that over that time and then uh yeah about about at the 10 year mark um god started stirring in my heart to uh that there might be something next and um, then moved my wife and me out to uh to colorado and yeah i've been here for for 4 years in a completely different church a church that uh it started in 1891 so, oh, wow. um, the church in New Hampshire was started in two thousand one this was eighteen ninety one so a uh, little bit of a yeah, difference there yeah, just a bit uh so yeah there's there's been some, a lot of different experiences uh over the years um yeah, from size of church to the 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 age of the church to the location, all those different things,
1: very cool, man, wow, that's quite the gambit of things uh yeah, I feel like you and I have some similarities there, uh, from in high school feeling like, okay, maybe this is what I'm going to do. And I had internships take me to Florida and doing stuff in California and other things. And then I've been here in Texas. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's really cool. There's, there's a lot that you've seen, uh, volunteer as, as the guy. Um, so we have an overview. We have illinois we have um college seminary we have new hampshire basically boston area now we have colorado and as you mentioned those are very different places especially colorado from where you spent the last decade Mm -hmm. um so what stands out to you as the biggest shifts you've had to make ministry wise especially once you came to colorado
0: yeah um you know the funny thing is uh, that I have like I started in three different areas of the country, um, five different churches, and in a significant roles um, from volunteer to to full time, and um, in all those changes, the the actually the move from Illinois to New Hampshire was the biggest. Mm. Um, not only was I new in ministry, but it was going from for the most part rural Illinois to Boston suburbs. Um, So very different. Um, If people are unfamiliar with with the Northeast, it's like the it's statistically the the most unchurched area of the country. And uh, so yeah, so going from the middle of the Bible Belt, uh, all the way out to the the most unchurched area of the country was pretty big. And I had to learn a lot uh, through those times. Um, And I thought actually when when God started stirring my heart for Colorado, Um, I had always had this, this picture in my mind that Colorado was also back in the Bible belt. Mm. And, and honestly, like I had grown such a huge heart for the unchurched, um, right before I moved to New England and throughout my time there, that I kind of fought God a little bit with it, because I didn't want to go back to the Bible belt. I wanted to stick with unchurched people, I wanted to be in a place um, where I didn't find people that go to church all the time. Um, And so the, the idea that I had in my mind of what Colorado was, was actually based mostly on uh, a certain area of of Colorado, mostly Colorado Springs. And, uh, Uh, the only the place that I've uh, been.
1: Yeah. Christian Mecca of the West. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Uh, but after doing some research, I, I realized that's not the case at all. The rest Mm. of Colorado is also very unchurched and, uh, doing some, some further research, um, where I was going to be, where God was going to be moving me to, uh, here in, in Longmont is in Boulder County. So right next to Boulder, Colorado, and, uh, also one of the most unchurched areas of the country and, um, really started getting excited about that. Um, so, so the, the, the change actually from, from Boston to, to here there's, there's some significant changes, but it wasn't as huge. Um, Mm. but there, there's still some like, pieces of of the midwest and there's some pieces of of everywhere because colorado is one of those places that everybody's moving to um i think similar reply to to texas like you from texas. all over mm-hmm. yeah so Especially we have North people texas. from texas yeah um and uh but we have people from colorado we have people from illinois we have people from the, the the east coast all the way from you know the southern states and so all of those cultures coming together i guess it really told me like, I have to be on my toes, like all the time. Um, I have to constantly be doing research. It wasn't enough to just do some research like in the beginning and go, okay, I know what Colorado is because it's constantly changing. Mm. Um, And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things is that, that sticks out to me is that I'm constantly having to learn. I'm constantly having to uh, go back and like, okay, there's a new culture I need to learn because there's a new influx of people from California or there's new influx of people from Texas or whatever. Okay. And then you've learned that culture a little bit more as well. Um, one of the things that, that uh, stood out to me as well is that, this part of Colorado, a lot of Colorado as a whole, but um this specific area is is about thirty to thirty five percent Latino as well. And so that was a brand new thing for me um to be able to now, like how do i how do I speak into that culture and how do yeah. I reach that culture? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so making a lot of new friends that are Latino, asking them a lot of questions along the way. Um, yeah. so, just I think that's that's part of it um, as well and and just you know, silly things like boulder area is is full of a lot of like hipster kind of culture and outdoorsy culture here in Colorado and so um, that's different as well so before, you know in in the Boston suburbs like we had certain things that we'd always do with the students that uh, seem to work well, um, but here it's like oh okay you you would totally be fine just going on a hike we don't have to go down into the city in fact they don't prefer going down to denver um it'd be but it's a lot easier to say hey let's go on a hike or let's go you know camping or something like that where the where the students in in the boston area would be like i want to go out in the city i want to do stuff in the city um so there's similar similar things there but also very very different um and i think The one of the biggest things that within the church world is that we that there are similarities to both the Northeast and the Midwest here in Colorado. And so it's it's a little bit of the both worlds that I've been in before that, um, where there are a lot of people that are very turned off by the church, Um, either they're they're unchurched or dechurched. Or there's people on the other side of things that are very much in the church, grew up in a, their whole entire life, and and have those kind of expectations. So I'm um, I'm constantly, I guess, surrounded by people that are on both sides of of that, and and trying to figure out like how do we reach those those parents specifically. Students students are pretty similar, but it's a lot of the parents that we when we work with them. It's like okay you have a very, very unchurched kind of mindset and you over here have a very, very, very church mindset that your family's been to church for the last 10 decades. Um, and how do we, how do we reach both populations at the same time?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, man. That's, um, that's a lot to consider. And I feel like probably our generation is really the first to be um, like kind of our heads out of the sand, like, Oh, You know, I need to be constantly surveying the landscape and seeing how things changed. And one of the benefits, well, one of the positive things that came out of COVID was that all of us had to hit the reset button, not just like a suggestion. You had to do it to survive as a ministry. Um, But things that aren't as, you know, global pandemic-y as COVID, uh, you know, Things in, like, even if you're in the same place for a while, you have to kind of say, okay, things are different. Things are changing. How am I going to adapt? Sounds like Colorado is a place like that. Texas overall, but certainly North Texas is definitely like that. um, For sure. Um, You know, so I'm from Phoenix. And shortly after I moved here back in 09, sometime in the year or two after that, I think Phoenix officially hit 51% Hispanic. Um, and, uh, being here in Dallas, you know, when people think of Dallas, you know, not so much the TV show, that's like a generation ago or two, but, um, but people probably think of Dallas as the Dallas Cowboys and money and whatever else. And you would usually stereotypically associate that with Caucasian white people. Um, when I moved here in 09, I was told that Dallas County is only 25% white. um and the more i've the longer i've lived here especially now that i live just north of dallas i'm basically in dallas it's the first suburb across of a loop highway richardson so diverse incredibly diverse um the nations are in your backyard uh so many refugees especially um the biggest pocket group of nepali people outside of nepal live in the dallas area um there's just so much here, um, rich diversity. Uh, and uh, it's it definitely has you doing more than just the generational, how are different ages and generations being affected by technology. You have to consider the area and their context and their schools. Because of that, mm-hmm. you can imagine how the public schools look very different. Um, and some schools within the same isd or district or even semi-close regionally many of them look a lot different than each other just because it's um yeah that's just how it is uh and it's it definitely has to keep us on our toes um so you know i feel like without doing the cross-country moves or uh big huge paradigm shifting moves kind of like the sounds you have done um what do you feel like keeps youth pastors and youth workers from um, not being able to succeed long-term in ministry? Uh, do you feel like it's just because they kind of stop learning and stop observing? Um, or do you feel like it's um, something else? Cause I feel like when you were talking about that, I'm like, I feel like this might be kind of more widespread than just a, Hey, you've moved what's different. It sounds like it's more in the ministry fabric than we might think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've, I've pondered that question for a long time because I, I value longevity and ministry. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, before I came uh, to, and right after I came to LifeBridge, I was asked several times, um, how long are you planning on staying here? Um, and that question was actually rooted in, in the fact that like, there was a lot of turnover before me. Mm. Um, so oddly enough, our, our church and it's like 128 or whatever, uh, 129 years um, has had, I think five or six different senior pastors over that time. So huge longevity.
1: Wow. Uh, but wow.
0: probably about five or six different youth pastors within before I came within the last, uh, like the 10 to 12 years before I came.
1: Yeah. Sounds about so,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's, mm-hmm. it was definitely like, that was the the context I was stepping into. and And I had to tell them, I was like, I don't know you know, the mind of God, I don't know how long um, God's going to want me here, but I'm going to be here as long as he wants me here. And my track record is I was at my last church for 10 years. And um, because I view longevity, my, my youth pastor was at his church for like 35 years. Um, And so like, that's always been a question in my mind, like, okay, why I have this idea of longevity. I talk with other people that they value it, but why is the national average so low? Yeah, Like what, why, why is that the case? And I think some of it is on the churches. Um, I think either not valuing youth pastors very much or not paying them what they need to, or all those different things um, do definitely factor into it. Um, But I think a lot of it is um, just not, being able to not being able to, or not being willing to just stay on top of your game. Um, I'm actually reading through a quint coincidentally, um, you know, you asked me to, to talk about adapting ministry and I'm reading through um, the book uh, canoeing the mountains right now um, and all about adaptive ministry. And, yeah. uh, and I think we all have to be, we have to be on top of our game all the time. Um I've asked, been asked, of course, like I'm sure you have and so many other youth pastors out there, what do you do during the week you know <laughs> what, what is your job and uh and i've told them like a good portion of what i do is is research um not just research into the bible but research into culture research into youth culture research into our community um the the things that are happening around us trying to figure out what's working what's not working um because we have to stay on top of our game if we're not then we're going to be trying the same games that worked 20 years ago or 10 years ago that are not working in this context Mm -hmm. whether that be a different church whether that be a different youth group i mean we do Mm -hmm. have the you know like we have that turnover that natural turnover if we have all things well we have a kid for you know like seven years um but most most of the time that's not happening we're turning over every three or four years probably and so like the the population is always changing. Generations are always changing. And so if we're not staying on top of that, um, we could easily say, Oh, I'm, I'm not, I don't work anymore in this. What I know is not working. And so therefore I don't fit in this context. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that might be accurate. Um, that person may not fit that context anymore, but I think a lot of it could be overcome if we just have the mindset of, trying to research, trying to figure out, always asking questions and being able to, to adapt on the fly.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, always asking questions. I've, I've appreciated that perspective more and more um, uh, like you, uh, you know, writing for you specialties and having to like look up things and think about how we think about ministry and uh, you know, the, the smartest people have always told me never assume you're the smartest person in the room always look to learn from someone around you. Um, and that, uh, intellectual approach of humility, um, is so valuable. Um, because I've, I've learned so much just from people's stories and from their experiences and God showing and awakening things in me through what I'm seeing in their life. Um, and, um, you know, I Coming into uh, Colorado, you know, you've had all these years of ministry and building a program from the ground up, and uh, and there were times I'm sure where you're like, you know what, I need to hang back and let you take the lead because you have uh, you have history with this family or this context, and I need to learn, right? And that kind of approach is what's needed. We need to be able to empower and delegate and really take advantage of who's around us and build them up as much as if we're trying to build the ministry, you know, that goes into Absolutely. volunteer training that goes into making sure that the youth ministry vision is not a silo. It's, it's basically a subset and our support of the church vision, you know, it needs to be um, just keeping things in perspective and keeping the students idea of church and what's healthy and growing. Um main thing and that's the gospel and the gospel never changes and uh contexts of culture and culture itself and multi cultures you know they they change all the time and uh what's what's trendy now is trendy for you know days and Mm -hmm. when we were growing up it was like a month or two months or whatever and um We just have to be, yeah, you're right. Choose your words on top of your game all the time. And that can be exhausting. And that's where we need good boundaries, margins, soul care. And that's another conversation. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so let's expand this a little bit and give some takeaways for people who are watching and listening. Uh, So, based on your own experience, maybe even adding in what you've heard and learned through talking with people on your podcast, um, what do you think are the most helpful things to remember? If you want to make your youth ministry adaptable and prime for longevity,
0: yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think one of the big things is is, is make sure you're doing your research all the time. Um, if you're going to a new area, honestly, Wikipedia is <laughs> a huge a uh, huge thing. I just spent some time on Wikipedia before I moved, and and I'm constantly talking to a lot of our students and saying, "Oh, did you know this about our." our town. And they're like, no, I had no idea. You know more about my town than I do. And I've lived here my whole life. It's because I read the Wikipedia article. It wasn't that <laughs> difficult. So like as simple as it is, like, just, just go to your, your city's Wikipedia and and learn some history about the, the area that you live in. Um, do, you know, spend, spend an hour reading, um, and you're going to, you're going to definitely benefit from that. And, 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 and with that, you you can also connect then with the kids' parents and, uh, and mm. even older generations within your church as well. Like if you're going to be able to connect and grow your team, you want all different generations serving yes. within the student ministry. Yes. Like the more, you know, about that area, the more you can connect with those different generations, the better. So mm-hmm. constantly be doing your research, not only on youth culture, which like you said, is changing by the minute. Sometimes. Yeah. One meme meme. That's like really that's right. hilarious. One, one, one meme at a time. Like, that's right. Done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, like yeah you, you could use one in a sermon and all of a sudden they're like uh dude that was like that that's dumb that that was like two <laughs> weeks old like, really that's such a it's, let down that fast um but then on the other side of things yeah learning learning about your culture and stuff so i'd say never stop researching um but especially when you're going into a new context um spend some time act like you're a missionary there mm. um if you were going into a completely different country um you would need to do your homework on yeah. the culture the mm-hmm. the people the language um all those different things i realized that uh there was a lot of different language when i moved to new hampshire that uh some of the other parts of the world don't use those words and so i had to learn those and then moving to colorado i'm like okay which of these words still translate there and which ones do not? Like, do they call soft drinks soda or pop? Yeah. Um, do they, you know, all these different things, like, because you don't want to seem like that that weird guy They're like, oh, okay, he uses his other word. Like, you want to you connect with the culture that you're going in. So simple things, but also some more significant things. Um, the other thing I would say is, uh, we've already alluded to is ask a lot of questions. Um, constantly be asking questions of, of people that, Are other youth pastors in the area as you're networking with them, um, like especially people that have been there a little longer than you? Hey, what's worked? What hasn't worked? Because you're reaching, for the most part, the same population of people. So network with them, ask a lot of questions, but also ask questions of the people within your church, within the people on staff, within the people on your volunteer team. Um, I had the huge, huge benefit of having some people that I inherited, some volunteer leaders that I inherited here that had been serving in student ministry specifically at our church for like 30 plus years
1: wow, and
0: just a wealth of amazing information and so we went out to coffee and we went out to lunch frequently like okay what's worked what hasn't worked what have you seen over the years Um, and not that you would just replicate all those things but it's things to just put you know just to file away and and you know like oh this worked one time but it's not going to work this time and there's some context there and like constantly be asking questions to those people not just when you first come in but like i don't know like if you ever have anybody like that make it a regular coffee or regular yeah. conversation that you're having yeah. with those people Definitely. um just yeah don't don't discount their their experience and everything as well mm-hmm. and um and i'd say like as far as coming into a new uh culture, a new church, new context. Um, My, several of my mentors told me this, and I'm very grateful that I learned this at a young age. Um, When you're going into a new context, don't change anything within the first like six to 12 months. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) Like you may think like, okay, all these things worked amazingly Mm -hmm. in my last church. And you may just be moving across town, but you don't necessarily know if those things are going to work at this church, just like they did before. Plus you may run a lot of people off in the, in the process. Um, Mm -hmm. So spend those that first, at least six months, if not first 12 months, just learning a lot, try some things out, experiment, but don't make any drastic changes um, because contexts are different. Um, Even, even if it is just across town and not across country.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. That, that's, uh, that's actually the first article I wrote for you specialties is three things to do in your first year. And that, that was a big one is keep consistency because you are already different. And so if you come in and you start changing things, their entire world is upside down. But if you come in and everything basically is the same, you are the only change that they have to navigate. And once they see you, learn about you, and believe in you, then they'll come behind the vision that you eventually have and things that you start changing. But yeah, consistency, especially among the high turnover rate for people in youth ministry, that has to be the first thing <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Very cool. Well, Steve, man, this has been fun. Thank you for coming on here. I uh, hope to have you back to begin. Uh, if you could tell our listeners where they can keep up with you and connect with you online. Sure.
0: Yeah. Probably the best place is uh, my website and blog, stevecullum.com. So that's S-T-E-V-E-C-U-L-L-U-M. Um, I'm on most of the social medias at Steve Cullum and my podcast can also be found um, on pretty much all the podcast services out there, but there's also a link on stevecullum.com. So that's probably the easiest place is just to, to head right over there.
1: Yeah. Perfect. And we'll have all that info in the YouTube description and in the show notes. Uh, But dude, thanks again. I'll be praying for you as you continue learning about the changing context of Colorado, but also just ministry as we keep investing in these students. Thanks again, bro. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Steve for joining us. The links to his website and everything else we mentioned is in the show notes and the YouTube video description. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, please go check that out and subscribe there as well. We have all of our episodes on YouTube starting this season. Also, every Friday, only on YouTube, we have a special five-minute segment called the Fantastic Friday Five. So go and check that out this Friday. On our website, youthministrymaverick.com, you can find all of our episodes, a complete list of our guests and their bios, a list of organizations to help you in your own ministry, some articles I've published, a store to support the podcast, and more. So go check that out. You can also find all of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts so we can be more seen. And if you leave us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me and I will send you a personal thank you card with some merchandise you can't buy on the website. That's all for now. Hope to see you on YouTube this Friday, but until next time, thanks for listening. Adios.